You are listening to Give Grief a Chance, and I'm your host and advanced grief recovery specialist, Diane Morgan. And these podcasts are all about bringing grief awareness out into the world, because even today, my friends, grief is hidden and it's tucked away. So come along and join me on this journey. Let's start to bring grief out into the open and maybe you'll be brave enough to give your grief a voice. This is episode 246. Hello to all of my lovely podcast listeners and welcome back to another episode of Give Grief a Chance. I hope that you're all doing well and as always I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who takes the time to listen to these podcasts and a quick reminder about my journal which is called Giving Grief a Voice. It's a beautiful gift that can help to guide and support you through your grief. It's filled with writing prompts, breathing exercises, self-care tips, and much, much more. And you can find it on Amazon. So this week, I'm chatting with Dr. Kimberly Hubernet. She's the anti-aging dentist, widow, author and inspirational coach who will guide you through the path of relearning to love, survive and ultimately thrive after a loss. And today Kimberly will be sharing her remarkable insights and experiences, drawing from her own journey of overcoming challenges and finding purpose after her husband Mark passed away. And she's written a book which is called Grid and through heartfelt conversations, captivating stories and practical advice, she invites you to explore new possibilities and discover the power within you. So without further ado, let's have a chat with Kimberly. Hello, Kimberly, and thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Diane. Nice to meet you. So let's get going and we're going to dive in with some questions here. So can you tell us your story about your husband, Mark, and his double lung transplant? Well, he had cystic fibrosis growing up. And as you know, cystic fibrosis has a lot to do with genetics. Mm-hmm. And the the both parents had a gene that caused him to have the cystic fibrosis diagnosis. People don't really live that long when they have that genetic disorder called cystic fibrosis. And he had the life expectancy of age 18. And so what happened was uh, he was able to, well, his parents were able to keep him in a bubble kind of, mm-hmm. you know, keep, mm-hmm. you know, they would have to touch his lung, you know, do the little taps yep. you know, because the cilia doesn't work when you have cystic fibrosis. So your digestive tract doesn't work. Your, you know, your, their cilia in your nose and your lung doesn't bring up the mucus or the toxins back up. Okay. And so eventually your organs 
body, mostly your lungs, because your lungs uh, have about, you know, two thirds of your body, um, everything starts to fibrose. In other words, like um, the toxins build up and, you know, they can't get the mucus out. And so by age 18, he was still okay because his parents kept him, you know, like pretty much. He did play soccer a little bit, but, you know, of course, there was a distance between he and his um, friends. Uh He did go to school. And then what happened was in college, he decided to go party and which started the process. And so by age uh, 20, 20, Two, I believe he mm-hmm. started feeling those symptoms and then it started happening real fast. Like he had to be on the lung transplant list um, for two years before he got his lung transplant. And his was a success story because forward, fast forward, 21 years later, he was still alive. Wow. We met after he had his lung transplant and, um, I fell in love with him. We fell in love and, you know, lungs didn't really bother me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he had this tackle box full of medications that if he didn't take this tackle box full of medications, he would die. Right. So basically this tackle box full of medications probably was about $70,000 a month worth of medicines to survive. Um, Honestly, he led a great life because we were still able to do hiking, hunting, fishing, camping. You know, of course, he would get a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. breath wise, like he would he could feel it, but he still made himself go do those normal things that other people do. Sure. Wow. And so. Yeah, he lived another 21 years after his lung transplant. That is amazing. He had his lung transplant at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was a, a couple of other people that were having his same procedure. They didn't they didn't make it that long, you know, because they do they do have follow-ups and they do check on people and they do, you know, and, you know, Mark's physician Mm -hmm. became his really good friend. And after the friend, um, Dr. Brown is his name. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Brown was his cystic fibrosis, uh, physician, internal physician. And when Dr. Brown kept moving up in the ranks, he kept Mark as a patient. So by the time Mark passed away, he, Dr. Brown only had three patients left. Oh, and wow. Mark was one of them. Oh, how old but was they Mark were, when he died? Mark was 47 years old. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing that he, you know, got diagnosed and was told, hey, lucky if you're 18, right? Right. And I give the parents, his parents, Bill and Tish Hubenet, credit for just giving him an amazing life, 
taking him places, you know, like he was, he still got to go to Yosemite with them. He still got to go canoeing and, you know, obviously they took care of him every day because they did have rituals that they had to do. And obviously his two brothers, like, you know, they, they knew that Mark needed a little bit of extra attention Mm -hmm. and they were okay with it. That's great. And I love that you said like he sort of made himself do things like go hiking because, you know, for a lot of people, as difficult as it is, it's easy to say no. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, he used to say that it was it felt like being underwater every day to breathe, but he still made himself do it. That's amazing. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, you being a busy business owner, what steps did you do to give your grief a voice when Mark had passed? Well, the the first, well, before he had a chronic problem, right? So at least a month before we knew he wasn't going to really survive much longer. And my staff actually really took care of us. Um, obviously, we had to keep the business going. Mm-hmm. And my in-laws were here every day um, while I was at the office and coming back and forth while he was around. And then when he passed, I think I took a week and a half off. And then the following week after that, I only was there maybe like two days and then three days. But I never really went to full capacity after he passed away. Now I only work three days a week. Um, I have an associate that works the fourth day. Right. And I'm okay with it because I can't do much more than that. I did lose a sense of myself mm-hmm. and Obviously, I felt like a, a, I felt like a zombie going into work. I only did it because people needed me. You know, I woke up because my dog needed me to take him out for a walk mm-hmm. or to go to the bathroom. My staff needed me to have, you know, a paycheck and be, you know, there. So, yes, I am and I still would say that I am probably moving through the motions because it's been for three and a half, four years now. Okay. Um, but I do it and I do it for him. Mm-hmm. I do it for myself. I do it for my dog. I do it. I do it for my staff members that have been with me. I have one staff member that has been with me for over 22 years you know, and they help me through it every day. Well, it's important to have a support system in many different areas. And it sounds like, you know, you've got that at work at least. Yes. Yeah, I do. I, 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 I've written a book. Mm-hmm. I've, still go on hikes. I still go camping. I still take my dog places. But what really helped me when that happened 
was that I went to all the places that we had gone and I said hello and goodbye in those places wow. with Mark. Oh, that is beautiful. And it gave me something to do, a mission to do. Yeah. You know, you have to keep having something to do in order to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, because life puts you in those situations. There's two things. You're going to be born and you're going to die. And what in between? You have to give yourself the journey. Absolutely. You have to give yourself things to do in order to create that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you have a good support system out of work as well? I have some good friends. In fact, my best friend for the past 35 years, she just came to visit me and she was here for a week at my house. Nice. My in-laws, we still keep in touch. They live about 10 minutes down the street from me. Uh, My family, my side of the family lives in Southern California. I have Mm -hmm. one niece that lives in Sacramento and we see each other. I have some great friends and uh, we all help and support each other. That's, I mean, we all need support and we need a shoulder to cry on and a hand to help us lift us up. So that's really great. Now, your book is called Grid, correct? Yes. And it sounds intriguing. So what inspired you to write it? What message do you hope readers will take from it? And how is it significant to survival? So it has two parts. One, about survival after your loved one passes away. It's a beautiful fiction uh, novel about a lady that loses her husband in the wildfires. And then she goes off into the wilderness and she finds like letters and things to help her survive and X marks the spot for Mm -hmm. certain, you know, treasure that they found that she found. But number one was that. And number two is actually surviving in the wilderness, surviving a hurricane, surviving a wildfire in the back of the book, in the appendix, I have have a list of things to, to put in your bug out bag, to put with your pet's bug out bag and so forth. And that's a memorial to my husband because he was on, even though he had the lung transplant and he had this chronic disease, he was also a volunteer for eight years for our Sonoma County search and rescue. Oh, and wow. that's with the sheriff's department. You have to be vetted. You have to apply mm-hmm. and they, you know, do a background check on you and so forth. And he was in charge of all the equipment for eight years. And wow. he went on, you know, missions to help find missing people or, you know, lo- lots of those kind of survival. So that's why I wrote a book that in that aspect. Mm-hmm. That's incredible that he did that. It's so wonderful. And we live in the wildfire area of wow. Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. I've been evacuated maybe 30 times in the past three, four years. Wow, really? And uh, yeah, 30 so, times. Yes. And one of the times I forgot my ID and my wallet right in my door, <laughs> they wouldn't let me go back. So for a whole week, I had no credit cards, no ID, nothing. Good thing I had my cell phone. 
Oh my goodness. Wow. That's incredible. So what tips do you have to share with the audience within the first year of losing a loved one? Know that your spouse or significant other or loved one is still watching over you. Mm. Don't think that you're going to dump everything away and or donate it and so forth. I know people that just like the next day they donate everything. Mm-hmm. What I did was I, you know, I kept five things of everything, like five pairs of pants, five shirts, five, you know, the be- his favorite shoes, his favorite hat, you know, mm-hmm. and I boxed everything up. And basically when relatives would come over or when his best friends came, I gave them something out of that stuff. And he, he was fortunate enough to have like these really good friends. And, you know, he told me before he passed, now give this to this, give this to this person, give this to this person. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of knowing what to give. Right. Because it just happens so fast, but we were able to have that discussion mm-hmm. and I was able to save things even for his nephews. Um, they were so young that they didn't, I didn't know what to give them, sure. but now it's been three or four years and they're in high school now. And occasionally his brother or the kids would call and say, Hey, do you, you know, Mm-hmm. I know Uncle Mark was into this. Do you have any of this? And I'll say, yeah, actually, I do. Come over and let's look through it. That's great. And I'm sure that, you know, because you know it's going to a good home, it's it's almost easier to get rid of it, you know, to yes. give it away. And And what an important conversation to have with Mark. I mean, how wonderful for both of you that he knew you would take care of his belongings and they would go to whomever he wished yes and so like for the first year we went through things and I still have lots of things to keep going through but Mm -hmm. you know for example when I started looking through things I found gifts that he had saved for me for Christmas and my birthday and so forth Wow. Can you believe finding wow. a gift after someone's gone? Oh my gosh. The other tip that I have is I still have a cell phone. Instead of having a home phone now, I use his cell phone as my home phone. Oh wow, that's great. And sometimes if I feel lonely, I'll text his phone and then I'll read it from his phone and then I'll find something from his phone and text it back to my phone. Oh, that's so fabulous. So, I think, you know, it's really it's really important that we find ways to help us to cope and keep moving forward. I mean, you know, even if a person dies, our relationship still continues. That's right. On his on his birthday and his lung birthday, we have two birthdays. He has two birthdays, one for his regular birthday and one when mm-hmm. he got his double lung transplant birthday. And I eat whatever was his favorite food. You know what's <laughs> interesting about this? When he had his double lung transplant, his 
palate changed. Like he started eating sushi and pizza, which he never liked before. Um, and so that's what we do. Like I, you know, buy whatever his favorite was and I eat it for the day. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, I've heard of things like that. People who've had, uh, you know, heart transplant all of a sudden develop, you know, these, these, uh, you know, they drink beer and they never used to drink beer or they love chocolate and they, in, in meeting the people that whom the organ came from, you know, the, the family have always said, oh yes, you know, he loved chocolate. He loved having a Guinness on a Friday night. And, and so I think it's, it's kind of special. It really is special. And I love that you continue to eat those things as reminders on his birthday and his double lung transplant day. Yeah. And, you know, as a dentist, a lot more patients are coming to me that have multiple uh, medications that they're taking or mm-hmm. they've. Th- there's more people that have had transplants. And mm-hmm. so because I've lived it with <laughs> him for all these years, I kind of know a lot more than other, you know, doctors or physicians about the medications and so forth, because I lived it. Right. And so um, they appreciate the fact that I know a little bit about, you know, what to do and what to, you know, what they should be doing and, you know, how it affects the rest of their body, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. That's great. That's wonderful that you can share that too. And it also gives them an opportunity to talk and mm-hmm. maybe say things that maybe, you know, they haven't said to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So in your experience, what are some common misconceptions about grief and how do you work to debunk them with, with your clients? Well, you know, when people say, how are you doing? How are you doing? And then when other people, you know, most commonly people say, oh, I'm doing all right, mm-hmm. or I'm doing good or whatever. That's just what we're taught to say. And I tell pay- people, you know, if someone asks you how you're feeling, you should really tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. And it might shock somebody that then when they say, oh, I'm not doing great at all, but at least you're telling them the truth. Right. And I think, how are you doing is one of the hardest questions we can ask someone. And it's something that we we just automatically say, hey, how are you doing? Exactly. It's an automatic. Mm-hmm. And I want to caution people to say, hey, really think about what they're asking you. And, you know, you can tell them they're your uh- friend. They'll listen. Yes, I agree. And I always, you know, how many people, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And I always say it's feelings inside not expressed. I'm fine. We're so afraid to tell the truth, really, that mm-hmm. we're not feeling good. And yet we should. And you're right. We just have never been taught. And you could you could benefit from telling the truth to people Absolutely. because maybe they do want to hear and maybe mm-hmm. they have something to offer that if you didn't say what you wanted really to tell them, they would have never told you. Absolutely. I think it's really important that we, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and have these conversations which need to be had. 
it's okay. It helps you grow. Yes, it does. I mean, we're all gung-ho to share our positive, happy, but in grief, we need to be heard too. Mm -hmm. We're feeling sad. We need to be heard. So can I ask, do you incorporate self-care practices into your daily routine? And if so, why do you think they're essential for anyone going through a difficult transition? So every morning I go through a affirmation. Mm -hmm. to myself. I look in the mirror and I have five things that I say to myself. And Kimberly, you're worth it. Kimberly, I appreciate you. Kimberly, you're beautiful. You know, those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I stretch. I do about a 10 minute stretch. Mm -hmm. Hips, shoulders, back, breathing do do my breathing technique i hold my breath in wait for about 10 seconds mm-hmm. and then slowly let it out because we really need to get better oxygenation yes we do and i do have a routine of i i take my dog out for a walk i have her come back in i eat my supplements I have a daily supplement routine that I mm-hmm. give her as a, the same thing. She has the dog version and I have the human version <laughs> of crazy. reducing oxidative stress. Nice. So I, I do that. I drink my collagen, my liquid collagen, because I feel like, hey, even though Mark's gone, I still have a life to live and I'm going to live it to the fullest and be the person to help share his story too to the rest of the world. Fantastic. Because he didn't he really was shy and he really didn't want to share, but Mm -hmm. he said, when I'm gone, you share it. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm sharing it with the world, with my patients, Mm -hmm. with, you know, anybody that wants to hear. Right. That's great. I love it. What about food? You know, like, because I, there's so many people who I talk to and they're like, the hardest time is meal time. It really is. For us, we used to eat at the dinner table, mm-hmm. but now it's just me and my dog, right? So, you know, sometimes I'll eat on his side of the table, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I'll eat on my side of the table, and sometimes I'll even sit in front of the TV, which we never wanted to do before, mm-hmm. and just, you know, sit there and eat, but eating his kind of food, his favorite foods, or um, drinking his favorite drink or helps me a lot. And during meal times and during Christmas, and that was one of his favorite holidays. Like I said, I found things for, in the house that uh-huh. I put underneath my tree because I knew he was going to give it to me for my birthday or Aww. for Christmas and so forth. We st- I still do the same rituals that I did when he was alive. Because I think that's very helpful. And I have his picture and I talk to it every day or I talk up to the world. You know, I look up at the stars. I look up at the sky and say, hey, this was a great day today, honey. And there are things if you start looking around, you'll be able to see that they left you something. One of my friends says, oh, her late husband left her pennies. Well, I started finding nickels. That's great. You know, 
I love it. I really do. And I do believe that, you know, if you look, they're there. They're there. And I think it's lovely that you create. I mean, again, holiday time, anniversaries can be really such a hard time for people. And we all have to figure out what works for us and what doesn't. And I love that you put your gifts under the tree and celebrate like you used to celebrate with Mark. And what I do have is my dog. I celebrate and talk to my dog a lot. Nice. And if you have the capability of having a pet, even like a turtle or, a you know, or a kitten, if you can't go walking, if you don't want to have that much of a, you know, like a hamster, even like any yes. little pet, I really think it really helps. Agreed. I've had people have like little uh, pet rocks and they, you know, they can't, yeah. you know, they don't have the time to have a pet pet, but they have this pet rock and they talk to it and they, you know, they massage it and talk to it every day and it sits there. That's great. It's whatever works for you, right? It is. So you describe yourself as an inspirational coach? I am. So... Can you tell us more about the role of inspiration in the healing process and how you help others to find it? Well, we define, I define things as, you know, list some things first. We give a journal. We talk about like what are things that are important to the person and feelings and looking at what it is that keeps you alive and going. Mm -hmm. Live, love, survive, and thrive is my motto. Live life to the fullest. Think about things that are on your bucket list that you would like to do. Mm -hmm. Write them down and think about what's the easiest thing first to do and accomplish. Then keep going down the road because you can do anything that you want to do as long as you have something to guideline you and guide you. And I help guide people to get the best that they can do with what they have. Live life. Uh, we, I have them, like I said, do their journaling and mm -hmm. get up and look in the mirror and say the same things every day to yourself. Because once you start saying it to yourself, you're going to believe it. Yes. It's whatever you hold in your heart and whatever you talk to yourself as you're going to be, and you're going to believe it. So I say, Kimberly, I appreciate you. Kimberly, you're beautiful. Kimberly, you're going to have a great day today. And, you know, as we go through the motions of life, we always need somebody to help us and get through things. Since I've been through it, I've helped several of my patients, my friends, and my colleagues go through it. Mm -hmm. And I inspire them, give them things to work on, and help them through their days, their weeks, and their months. That's beautiful. So what words of encouragement or wisdom would you like to share with our listeners who might be in the midst of their own grief journey right now? Make sure that you keep in touch with your friends mm -hmm. and tell them the truth of how you're feeling. Mm 
if you need somebody, tell them, I need you. Could you come over and help me? Or, you know, you just have to make sure that you live life to the fullest. You love life to the fullest. Surviving and thriving every day are all words of encouragement. My motto is live, love, survive, and thrive. And I can help you do that either with coaching or with, you know, reading my book, mm-hmm. um, one-on-ones, all that, journaling, you name it, I can help you with. That's fantastic. So can you share about the retreats you're doing with your clients? And of course, yes. where can our listeners find out more about you and your book? So my website is uh, com, and my book is on there. The way that you can reach me is on there. My retreats are little hikes. So this year I'm doing a hike in my neighborhood. We have a about 60 different regional parks in my community. And I take my dog. We're going to go. We can If you have a dog, you can bring your dog. We have places for you to stay in wine country. The first day is all about you. We're going to do a yogas. We're going to go for a light to moderate hot hike. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on the capacity of the people that are in my retreat. Because there is an area in my retreat that has handicap access as well. So there is a regional park and a state park in my area, 10 minutes down the road from me, Mm -hmm. that they have a area that they've created that has Braille. It has ramps and you could still be out in the wilderness. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Um, The other thing that we do is I'd like to take you out for uh, either hiking, if you've never uh, done any uh, fishing. And if you've never done any type of trap shooting, oh, fun. there's different activities and archery. So so we pick the thing that everybody wants to do, and then we go out and do something new and exciting for them. Oh, wow. So how long is it like a, a week-long retreat? No, it, it's only three days. Okay. So right. how big a group? There's only five people to my groups okay. because, you know, we do have camaraderie. We have um, circles of friendship that we do and we all want to connect. So the most that I've had in my retreats right now are five people. Okay. Now, is it for women? Is it for like women who've lost a spouse or a partner or? Is well, it- right now it's only been women. Okay, that's great to know. I really do thank you. And and so if they go to your website, they can find out everything about the retreat. Yes, they can text me. I mean, email me through yep. that website, drkimberlyhubinette.com. Okay. And I will definitely respond back. And we can talk about what kind of plan that they want to do and mm-hmm. become part of. Fantastic. Wow. So as we wrap up 
today's episode, I want to extend a big thank you to Dr. Kimberly Hubernet for sharing her incredible journey and insights with us. And remember, grief is a journey and it's okay to take one step at a time. And if you're struggling, know that you're not alone. You can reach out to loved ones. You can seek support from professionals like myself or Dr. Kimberly. So please take good care of yourselves. Keep moving forward. And until next time, remember to give grief a chance. Okay, you lovely people, that is it for this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it and that it was helpful for you. Now, if you'd like to find out more about my services and programs, please visit my website, givegriefachance.com. There you can drop me an email, you can ask a question, or you can share your story via voice message, and I'll be happy to play it on the podcast. Plus, you can book a free chat with me. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate it, like it, and share it. And last but not least, please never be afraid to give your grief a voice. Okay, my friends, take good care and have a wonderful week.